We're going to start off the show this morning by speaking to our friends at 4SA, that's Freedom of Religion South Africa. They are a legal advocacy organization which works to protect and promote your constitutional right to religious freedom in South Africa. And this morning we are joined by Daniela Ellebeck. She is an attorney of the High Court of South Africa and serves as a parliamentary liaison. She's a graduate of Rhodes University and she has specified and she has specialized in litigation. Daniela, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Mark. Thank you for also specifying (laughs) what I specialized in. Yeah, no, I'm clearly sometimes Fridays I get. Tongue, t- tongue twisted and uh, and uh, struggled to get the words out. Uh, I've only had one cup of coffee, so that might be part of the problem. Daniela, you haven't sent us the rain yet. Um, Pretoria has had like one drizzle about three weeks ago. When are you guys going to send us some decent weather system? Oh, Mark, I'm so sorry. It seems like we're hogging it. I mean, I'm looking out of the window now and it's all grey and dreary. Ugh, no, no, it must be a horrible life up there, just living in the sunshine. Well, look, I mean, we have no wind and it's beautiful blue skies, like 363 days of the year. And the other two days, it's dreadful. Um, but but in reality, the four o'clock thunder showers are a highlight of the Pretoria weather system. And we haven't experienced them yet uh, this spring. So I'm seriously looking forward to the first uh, four o'clock thunder showers with uh, all that thunder and lightning i love it when that stuff rolls in daniela cse is uh back in the news um i've been actually tracking this a little bit on the various different news channels i follow um my understanding is representatives um from our government um met in new york city um the meeting was in september with the united nations transforming education summit maybe you can give us some background and tell us about the purpose of this meeting and what happened So, Mark, South Africans will remember that the Department of uh, Basic Education, um, back in 2019, tried to introduce new CSE, Comprehensive Sexuality Education content, into schools Mm. um, in the form of scripted lesson plans and educator guides. And the CSE, these books, were pushed back um, thanks to wonderful parent participation, and the minister acknowledged that the school governing bodies on which parents sit have the ability to choose which content they want to use in um, the life orientation and life skills curricula. They don't, they're not bound by these scripted lesson plans and educator guides that the DBE drafted, which were very explicit. Uh, listeners might remember that 4SA released a press release and we, we used the most kosher of the images and even those were shocking. Mm, mm. Now, this issue is again on the agenda. Um, following this meeting that happened, this uh, comprehensive, um, this, pardon me, Transforming Education Summit that happened in September. And a primary purpose of this meeting was the ratification of a five-year plan to implement the UNCSE program. And South Africa and nine other, ironically, traditional conservative African nations signed up in this, uh, for this in back in July, and now they signed this um, this agreement. And basically, what this agreement does, it gives the UN full authority to overhaul the national sex ed programs and to basically infuse its ideologically biased sexual agenda into these countries' public school systems. 
It's also worth pointing out that an international grant from USAID of 25 million, approximately 440 million rand, give or take the exchange rate, has already been awarded to South Africa for the rollout of this. So, I mean, this has been on my radar for years. I, I follow a couple of podcasts in the United States and uh, um, yeah, comprehensive sexual education has been in their headlines and has been kind of the, the friction point of a culture war in the States for many years. But why should we be concerned about the United Nations CSE program here in South Africa? So, Mark, the new focus on CSE comes in the form of the so-called Education Plus Initiative, which was launched by five UN agencies in 2019. And it includes, pardon me, I'm also having a Friday morning, (laughs) universal access to CSE and the fulfillment of sexual and reproductive health rights. It is based on UNESCO's highly controversial International Technical Guidance on Sexuality Education, ITGSE, which has been strongly criticized for the very liberal value system it presents and the emphasis it has on the pursuit of sexual pleasure without a proper emphasis on the consequences and the type of CSE content um, it recommends. And also needs to be pointed out that Planned Parenthood had a hand in drafting the International Technical Guidance on Sexuality Education so one would expect certain emphases to be placed Mm. in these guidelines and they were. And, you know, Mark, while it can be argued that some level of sex aid needs to be taught in schools, it's impossible to do so without integrating values and ideological viewpoints into what is taught. Because sex isn't like maths, you know, one plus one will always equal two. But sex is value laden. For sure. So um, from your guys' perspective, you you pick up issues that are um, related to religious freedom. Um, How's this a religious freedom issue? Where's the the point of your guys' um, discussion and engagement on this particular issue? So the constitutional right to religious freedom is obviously closely related to a parent's um, right to raise their children according to their values and belief system. And what a child learns about sex and sexuality at a highly impressionable age will fundamentally and permanently impact their views on relationships, marriage, family, and future generations. And this is why the transfer of knowledge in the area of sex and sexuality has historically been left to the parent of the child with schools only teaching the biology of sex. However, the UN, with the now the support of the South African government um, and the public education system, Basically, we'll be teaching parents, children in schools that they know better than you about what your child needs to learn about sex, sexuality, gender, gender identity, and so forth. Hey, I, I remember those um, sex ed conversations when I was in high school. They were they were terribly uncomfortable um, at at stages, and uh, and sometimes they were hysterically funny. We we had we had great teachers that I think did a good job at, of at least addressing the topic. When when I think of the importance of at least engaging at some level um, with teenagers in our school, what are the main concerns that parents have um, regarding the United Nations version of CSE that might in the future be taught in our schools? So, Mark, I think the first thing to point out is that life orientation and life skills are subjects that don't just start 
when your child's a teenager. So yeah. some yeah. of the content that was so explicit was literally for learners as young as nine. Okay. If not younger. <laughs> so there, there's that, that thing, I think that's the first thing to point out is that actually at a very young age, your child's going to be learning some very explicit content if this mm. is what's implemented. And as such, parents are understandably concerned that, you know, the CSE teachings on the pursuit of sexual pleasure um, above all else, radical gender ideology, and other programs are causing their children unnecessary confusion. And they are unhappy about the explicit and often age inappropriate CSE teachings um, that encourage their children to explore their sexuality when they are far too young to properly understand it or the consequences. And I mean, you know, as Michael and I did an interview on this earlier in the week, and which I believe we've posted online, but as we pointed out, it's going to be the parents and the family unit that have to walk through the consequences of the child's decisions long after the teacher has forgotten the child that they taught this explicit con- content to. Yes. Now, although CSE, you know, promoted by the UN purports to address the teenage world of unwanted pregnancy and the spread of HIV and AIDS, it also promotes the right to abortion as a solution should a baby be conceived in the process, which obviously, Mark, is no surprise if Planned Parenthood helped draft the ITGSE guidelines because that is their source of funding. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I hear some of the content and obviously I'm concerned and I'm concerned about what content my kids are exposed to. And also, I want to be the primary teacher of my children on these issues. um, And I want to decide when these issues get addressed for my own children, because my children aren't like a sausage machine. (laughs) You know, you can't you can't just teach every single kid the same stuff at the same time and hope to get the same outcome that's that's why god gave individual parents to children have these programs even been tested to see if they are effectively addressing the problems that they're supposed to solve like hiv and aids and gender-based violence and teenage pregnancy and such like so mark um CSC is often promoted as a good thing because it helps to, it's supposed to help to prevent all of these things that you've mentioned. And predictably, the results so far of these secular liberal CSE programs have been quite disastrous. So far from reducing incidences of teenage pregnancy, HIV transmission, and um, sexually transmitted um, infections, Studies, for example, by the Institute for Research and Evaluation back in 2018 and 2019, which used UNESCO's own data, clearly shows that the implementation of CC globally carries a clear risk of additional harm to children. Mm. And this negative trend was even more pronounced in the African context, where 89% of African school-based CSE programs failed to demonstrate effectiveness. And more than one in four schools, so 26% to be precise, showed negative effects on uh, learner sexual health with an increase in earlier sexual debut, which obviously makes sense if you're going to be teaching young kids sexually explicit content with an emphasis on seeking sexual pleasure. Uh, The number of sexual partners, of course, that also makes sense. And even rape, um, which is very concerning in a country such as South Africa, where we have such a high gender-based violence GBV rate already. And also all of this resulted in an increase in HIV and other STIs. So failing to meet the purported goal 
by a landslide, very colourfully failing to meet it. I mean, it's 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 actually it's a terror it's a terrifying thought. So not a, not only is there some moral concerns in terms of the content, but even just you know practically in terms of the content's actual objectives, it, it just seems so out of whack with uh, with where things need to be. Um, maybe make a case for someone who's listening in right now as to why um, you think that they should be concerned about continuing this continuation of pushing to teach the United Nations version of comprehensive sexual education uh, in the South African system? So it's deeply problematic that instead of developing African solutions for African problems, these governments have embraced a Western ideology that will teach children values about sex and sexuality in a way that is disconnected from and often even in conflict with the faith and interests of parents and society. Mm. And people continue to affirm that traditional values like, for example, uh, Christian value of celibacy before marriage, or even that male and female are genders or biological realities that your gender is related to biological sex, are often labeled as narrow-minded bigots. And however, as a result of these international agreements, this form of incultural imperialism, if I can use that term from the UN, will potentially be imposed upon both learners and their parents through the public school system. Well, um, you know, Daniela, thanks so much for the work that you guys do, both in staying on top of these issues as well as highlighting them uh, to us. Uh, where can people go to continue staying informed on this kind of stuff? Well, this agenda is now back on the table, and so it's important to know what is happening and how we can respond. And the best way to do that is the 4SA Facebook page at www.for.sa.org.za. Or uh, listeners can also go to the Freedom of Religion SA Facebook page or the 4SA YouTube channel where um, we are increasingly, sorry, Friday morning, uh, loading up videos and interviews and so forth, trying to get more video content out there. So they can visit all three of these channels. Our website obviously remains the best, but yes, then they can stay informed about how they can get involved in protecting the right to religious freedom. Uh, Daniela, that's excellent. Thank you so much for that. Um, I have posted the 4SA website's URL um, to our Facebook page and uh, would encourage listeners to go and check it out. I've always found it very helpful and uh, newsletters and and whatnot uh, are excellent to keep one informed in terms of what's going on um, in this ongoing and rolling conversation between the church and the state. Thank you so much for the work that you guys do. Thank you, and have a lovely weekend. Yeah, yourself as well, Daniela. God bless.